Hello, Maxine Tima'a Kavithid Kamraig, Ryan and Rob. Hi, Maxine here, Ryan and Rob's Welsh translator. The Chin Grando are Podlidiad Newid, Fearless in Devotion. You're listening to Fearless in Devotion, a new podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here they come, our mighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem. Marching like a mighty army. Wrexham is the name. Hello, Christ on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast sponsored by the Fat Ball Independent Restaurant and Bar. 18,000 plus bums on racecourse seats for the first time in a long time, I think. Uh, Andy, your first time back in uh, in the old girl this season, I think. How, how was it for you? Did you say 18,000? Eight, did I say 18 or eight? No, you uh, definitely said 18. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm, I'm like a few seasons ahead of us. Okay, fine. Well, let's, let's call it eight. Andy, how was it? Uh, good to be back. Really good. Um, I mean, I didn't have any ticket problems. Walked up 20 minutes beforehand, got in with my season ticket. Um, good atmosphere. Uh, pitch cut up a little bit for me. Um, I don't know if that's if that'll bed in over the, over the season. On the pitch, yeah, we're still struggling midfield. Um, we're still running about too much. Um, I actually thought Dave Jones, when he came on, meant that uh, Young had a much better game because he was able to to bomb on, be more affected up, up the pitch. Um, but obviously, Davis, uh, sorry, Jones didn't stay on for long. Uh, also, thought that Davis was probably having his best game before he obviously got injured, just as he was coming into some form. So, yeah, as I've said, as I've said over the last few weeks, the units of that team are there, except the midfield. Defense was great again, and up top, Mullin is such a pest. He's going to be such a nuisance to people. Love him. Before we chat a bit more about on the pitch, uh, Tim, there have been complaints about stuff off the pitch, haven't there? Um, in particular, uh, catering, perhaps, Jonesy's bars, complaints about queues. Uh, Tim, what have you heard on Twitter about sort of some of the issues people have been having? Uh, I haven't gone digging. I mean, people have put a few bits out that they've experienced the usual stuff that you get with an, with an increase in footfall, which is obviously large queues in the concourse. Um, there might have been some issues, I think I read about about either a limited amount of staff from like Jones's bar or there was issues with the card reader, something along those lines. So, you know, things that, that could and should be avoided at this stage, I guess. However, you know, I'm sure they'll be ironed out ahead of Saturday. You know, if, if it's still a problem four or five home games into the season, then you'd really have to ask serious questions as to why it's a logistical nightmare. So, well, fairly deep into the season at that point. So it's still early. Um, they're learning lessons as they go. And I guess if it was under the trust, there would be a bit more leeway. Um, but it's not the case now. We're supposed to be a professionally run organisation often on the pitch. So, yeah, quite rightly, questions should be raised about it. Hopefully lessons will be learned. But other things as well, there's a, a lad, uh, Michael Arch, I think off the top of my head, his dad sadly passed away and... I think the club did like a little tribute and left some flowers on his seat for, for his son to sort of come to. By the time he got to his seat, those flowers had been moved. So, you know, it's little things like that, you know, what, is that just a, an error of judgment on somebody who seen some flowers and has thrown them or is that a steward? I don't know. There's little bits that you worry are going to sort of come to a head and all these little things are going to become a, a major backward step into, you know, what is becoming a 
a huge animal, basically. So fingers crossed that they iron them out. Yeah, let's hope uh, that gets sorted over the next few weeks. Lack of staff does seem to be an issue at the moment. Liam, back on the pitch. Um, lots of tributes uh, praising Harry Lennon. I thought he was. I thought he was quietly effective against Southend as well. Yeah, he he looked. I don't, I don't know if it's match sharpness or what it is, but he just sort of slotted in really well. Looked quite confident. I felt at times. Um, um, but I was m- mostly impressed by Toza, though. I mean. Yeah, we all know about his long throw and there's the debate over, you know, should he keep doing it every time he takes a throw and should he not? There wasn't as much of that, uh, yes, I might say, but it was just more his overall defensive display. And with some of our shortcomings in um, midfield as well, he's not afraid to play, um, you know, spray the odd pass up, you know, good attacking balls, really, which I was mostly impressed by. Um other than that in the game, I think I just remember thinking what a bizarre spectacle it was thanks to uh, a certain referee in the middle. <laughs> he was awful. He was awful. And a Stonewall penalty turned down right at the end. And I've seen a video clip of it. And <laughs> I mean, it looks like a pen to me. I can't understand uh, how he didn't give it. I apparently just, it, was, I, it, was, it, was blown, it was blown up for a foul prior to that. So that's why it wasn't given. There was a foul given before it. Anyway, back to the referee. I put something on Twitter about him. As much as he's shite, our record under him reads 1-4, drawn 1, lost 1. So, you know, speculative yeah, well, accumulate. Maybe he keeps uh, not giving stolen penalties against us. We can't complain, I suppose. Uh, they All well, these things even out over the course of the season, as we know. Um, anyway, let's move on to this week's guest, who I, more than anyone, am very, very excited to introduce to you all because all of you people who slagged me off for picking a certain mercurial player at right back in our greatest Wrexham eleven, about to be put in your place by the man himself. He's probably the most naturally gifted player to play for this millennium. Carlos Edwards played 166 times for Rex and was an integral to both our last promotion and one of the greatest cup victories in our history. A lover of skinning opposition left backs, bright curly wigs, and twatting it in for 25 <laughs> yards, he breezed into our best ever 11. Which leads us to the most burning question. Carlos, would you describe yourself as a right back? In, in the modern day football, I would say yes. I think during, during, during my career, because I had that, I was the, they used to call me the energizer bunny. I used to run up and down, yeah. obviously, different, different system that with different managers I've played. It become it became that um full back, wing back, however you want to call it, because they knew I had the energy to go forward and get back at the same time. So mm. it I would say, yeah, you know, because I love attacking and I love defending at the same time. The reason why we asked this is because we, when we did our best ever Wrexham 11, Reese Williams, yeah. who was on this podcast, picked you up right back and he got dogs abused for it. Did everyone he? was saying, everyone was saying, <laughs> Carlos Edwards, he's not a bloody right back. <laughs> Andy Matt McGregor, he's a right yeah. back, not Carlos. <laughs> so good to see from the horse's mouth. But I know what you mean by that, because if you look at like a Liverpool sort of system now. Yeah, got, exactly. They've, They've got quick players who can yeah. bomb down the wing, but also get back. Get back. Yeah. Mike, yeah. 
Defending might not be their forte, but they they cause so much trouble. The other trouble one that they that they they yeah. don't have to do much defending. That's that's the yeah. problem. Yeah, I'll so. tell you what. When when, when Reese hears this, we're never going to hear the end of it. You do know oh. that. <laughs> but no, but I mean, football football has changed. The question should have been in the modern day football. Let's pick. Let's pick a. a t- the question should have been: Let's pick a team in the modern day football. How things are developing and stuff change. Let's pick a best eleven and put players where they think would suit best. You know, then you're just picking a. Then you're just picking a. a a, a best 11 you know I could understand yeah. from his point of view you know that yes he wanted me there because you know he's thinking yeah 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 right back because he probably wanted to put one of his favourite players on the right side or you know and, and I don't not think leave. you put anyone on the right side you've got a lot of work to do there mate <laughs> that's a lot of work are we, are we playing with one man short <laughs> I mean he's from Swansea so he might not have got the rules um <laughs> You were ahead of your time in that because a modern day footballer now has to have the attributes that you had. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I think anyway, Den- I, I think the manager Dennis Smith, obviously, he he worked on a few systems when he was in charge, obviously, and one of his systems was a three-five-two, yeah. and that and that fell right into my lap because yeah. he had the likes of myself and Paul Edwards on the left, who two you got like the Liverpool's, you got Roberts on one, you got. Trent Arnold on the other side. So you just have, you know, and we cause people a lot of problems going forward. Yeah, I think that was one of my favourite ever Wrexham teams. And I think we'll get to that uh, yeah, in yeah. due course. But right, let's go, let's, let's take it to the start now. Tell us about growing up in Trinidad. I mean, it, football, I mean, is it massive over there? Is it more cricket? Because apart from sort of Dwight York, I can't really, before you guys, I can't really name like a, yeah. a famous Trinidadian football. Um, and, yeah, um, obviously Dwight Dwight paved the way for, for the likes of myself and, and other players that came across in the English league. Um, obviously Dwight was one of the more fortunate, lucky ones to go straight into the, the Prem at the time yeah. when he came over. Obviously, myself, Hector, Dennis, you know, we started off, you know, with Wrexham and then work our way up, you know, the the ladder and um, just, you know, went on and, and, and obviously established ourselves to play at the highest level. But, you know, growing up back in Trinidad, it was always, they used to show a lot of the Italian football back in Trinidad. Yeah. Um, the, we, we, we did get the occasional English games, but the only English games we used to get is obviously the FA Cup. They used to televise a lot of the FA Cup. At that time, yeah. you used to get the, the more like the Liverpools, the Man United, the Arsenal's, the Everton's. Those were the games that mostly they were sure, obviously, coming up to the final, the semi-finals. So we wouldn't get all the way through. It's only like when it have like the, the big clashes against the big clubs that they used to televise those games. But as a kid, you know, you, you, you're looking back at those situations and you, you're asking yourself, oh, I would love to play, you know, there one day. Bear in mind, the pitches 30 years ago yeah. was, no, was, not, was no way close to what they are now. Obviously, you get half the pitch might be with, with, with just grass and the other half is dirt. <laughs> right. You know, but, but still, when you see the atmosphere and you see the crowd, you... you, you 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 can't help yourself but to say like I want to be there because the atmosphere was absolutely electrifying. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So uh, let's talk about the story of how you sort of came over t- to this country. Now, 
Um, there's, there's a man I've known for quite a few years called Mike Berry, who was your agent at, at the time, and he was instrumental in getting you guys over here, the Flinnadadians, as we uh, as yeah. we like to call you. Um, I think he was he was Joey's uh, Joey's brother-in-law, was he? Also, no, cousins. He's Joey's cousin. He's got, he had the gift of the gab. He was he was a proper scouser, wasn't he? Yeah, so did yeah, he, yeah, so, yeah. Did he scout you? Did someone say to, yeah, to him? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Mike came to Trinidad. Um, obviously. And I never get the full story from Mike why he came to Trinidad, but mm. he came to Trinidad obviously looking for players. Obviously, I think he went in different Caribbean islands also. I think the first player that he actually signed was was Clayton, big Clayton Ince. Yeah, and, and I think he asked Clayton if there was any players back home that he thinks would could make it into the English league, and for some reason he recommend myself. Um, and Hector, well, he recommend myself. I didn't think he knew much about Hector at the time. He he, right. he he got he saw Hector when he came to Trinidad and obviously liked what he saw. Um, at that time, I was in the military, um, so okay. it wasn't it wasn't straightforward for Mike to approach me direct. He had to go through the channels. He had to obviously um, go to my senior officer and ask permission, and and they they did more of the interaction. When it came to certain things, I I was not allowed to speak to Mike directly or to sign mm. anything um, with him. But the communication with Mike and my senior officer went so well that in the end, I got a trial at Wrexham. And Mike, Mike played a big, big part in that by giving me the opportunity to fulfill my dream, you know. Yeah. Um, and I actually was you know, gum smack when, when he asked me if I would love to come to, to England on a trial. Well, not Wales. Wales, Wales, England, please you know, come. Wales, yeah, Wales, sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, and I was like, hell yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't think twice about it. And Mike put everything in motion. Um, mm. he, he kept in contact because he was really pushing for it because he saw something in me that, you know, I could really go the, the distance. And um, that that materialized it obviously took a while because you had to get the work permit and you got to get permission to come across so we came across and you know and everything was just taking time you know i was very patient mike was working hard and and he did um obviously with the likes of brian flynn and joey you know having those guys in my corner it 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 helped propel things in the way that i can um, obviously get the work permit yeah I mean, it's amazing that you had a trial, obviously, because we saw you over the years and, you know, obviously one of our you know, best Wrexham players. And the fact that, you know, it was so uncertain that you guys had to had to have a trial. Like even in the, even when you were coming across in that trial thing, when you were walking around Wrexham, what were your first thoughts of the town? Was there, was there something that you thought, bloody hell, this is different? You know, this I, is... I, I was like, bloody hell, why is it so cold? <laughs> that ain't changed mate that hasn't changed yeah, exactly um, you know obviously Mike brought me over because in, in it, and he, he, he knew what he saw in me by bringing me over he knew it that I would have you know knuckled down and regardless of the, yeah. the, the weather and the, the, the climate change and whatever he knew you know, it's just something he saw in me that, you know, and he and he always, even when I was on trial, every day, if if he 
if he was not at the Trevor Arms Hotel, he would phone me every day, maybe two, three times a day, make sure that everything is okay, make sure things are well prepared, make sure that we, we get into training on time, make sure we get him picked up, dropped off. So everything was just so, you know, good. But coming into to Wrexham, it, it was, a, it, 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 to be fair, it was home away from home, just hmm. with the, obviously the, the weather, you know, yeah. but this, this, this is what I wanted. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't no turning back, you know, yeah. I was here already yeah. and I had to, I had to adjust and I had to adjust really quickly because hmm. if you don't, you just get left to the wayside, you know? Yeah. And I really, I, I really relished the challenge. You know, yeah, there are there are times as as footballers we do complain a lot, we do moan a lot about the weather is too cold or it's 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 you know, but you know we just have to get on with it at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that sort of really endeared you to Wrexham is you you Hector and Dennis After were always very visible. You lived in the town. You were always yeah. out and about. You seem to sort of embrace Wrexham, and I think. In return, we embraced you, especially when we saw you on the pitch. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think, I think you know that's that was. We always like as people from Rex. We always like something a bit different, something a bit exotic, something yeah. that can bring yeah, so, so a bit of flair to it. And I think you guys were 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 a good example of that. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's it it, it goes hand in hand. Is it? It's you know you you come across and you the, the fans embrace you. And they show you a lot of love and they showed you what it's all about. Some people, obviously, I, I, I still have good friends there. You know, yeah. one of my good friends is um, David Jones, um, mm. you know, and Bob and these boys and them like it is, you know, it's, I, I still have, I still message Dave up, you know, a few times and, you know, we can communicate ever so often. His nickname for me is OJ. I don't know why he calls me OJ, but you know. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, know. I mean, that's got some connotations there. I'll I be know, honest. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. You know, but it, it, it's all it's 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 all a good laugh, you know. And how how I see it is that yes, it took it didn't take me too long to go. Obviously, you walk in the streets, people notice you. No, back home, you walk the streets, people notice you, but you don't get the reaction from when you are overseas. And it's only it's only respectable. It's only nice that you 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 embrace the fans also because they come out to support you on a weekend or on a mid midweek night, and it's only yeah. good to to interact with them, be around. You know, it's mm. it's because you don't get the the opportunity to. And I'm no different. Obviously, I'm very private, but if people see me, they come up to me, they speak to me. I always say to people, please don't be disrespectful. You can ask me any questions you want. You know, it's, 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 you know, you can, you can take a few pictures if you want to sign a few autographs or whatever. And it's nice because you give back because those are the same people that comes out and, and support you win, lose or draw. Yeah. So, so final question for me before I hand over to Tim for a bit. I mean, would let's go back and write, you've signed for it. It's you and Hector. I think you and Hector first, wasn't it? I think Dennis came yes. a, a little yeah, bit late, yeah. didn't he? So, so you're sort of, sort of bedding in. You've got your own sort of like a little support network. Would you say you had a slow start compared to your talent? Now, the reason I say this is when we had Andy Morell on a couple, a couple of weeks ago, he said Carlos Edwards was absolutely blinding in training. He couldn't, he couldn't believe how good he was. And I think he said it took you a little bit of time to translate that onto the pitch 
do you, do you agree with that? And I, yeah, I, 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 totally, re- I, I totally agree. It's because it's, I totally agree with Andy. You know, for some reason, it's, I think I was still in my shell a bit, still not trying, uh, still trying to find my way, um, still trying to express myself on the pitch a bit more than I used to do in training. And I, I, I think the reason for that maybe is just, I was too much in my comfort zone in training because I'm seeing the guys every day, you know, and then you, obviously if we play a bit of game against each other in training, it's, it's, it's the same guys you're coming up against. And then it kind of when when it's game time, I kind of take myself out of that equation a bit and not try to fulfill myself and or try to take the momentum from training into the games. You, there are times you would see, little spells of what I could have yeah. do during games, but it wasn't as consistent as it should have been. Yeah. You I know? mean, yeah, I agree with that. I, I often found that if you knew you had the beating of a fullback, you, yeah. Were, yeah. you, you yeah. were different gravy yeah. straight off the back. But sometimes you were maybe a little bit uncertain. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I, I, I can't really put up... Uh, a finger on it, why? You know, it, it's just maybe a bit of doubt in myself at that time or, mm. or or trying not to make a mistake or something because yeah, it's, it's you know, and you you don't want to bring yourself down because you make a mistake. I mean, you would, obviously with experience and more game time, you, you do learn. It's all right to make mm. a mistake, but for me, sometimes in the back of my head, if I lose the ball or make a mistake, it's like sometimes it's like the end of the world sometimes. Mm. So that that's where I kind of hold myself back for not fulfilling that potential that Andy obviously described that he saw in training. And we always ask um, our guests to come up with a fearless moment. So the moment that... So I've instilled you with the most pride whilst playing for Wrexham. Is there anything specifically to you where you think, you know what, that that was the moment that gave me the most pride and a sense of satisfaction about playing for Wrexham? That year we got promoted. Um, I think we finished third. That was an absolutely blinded season. You know, we came from nowhere and actually just went on an amazing run. Yeah. I think we were unlucky. I think we, we finished third with and we, I think the top team at the time I can't remember I know Russian and Diamonds came second I can't remember who was the other team that came first that year um, but I think it was only like two three points between us or five points between the top three and that just shows obviously we, 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 we stamp our authority but that season was the season I will always remember I think we won our last 14 of that yeah yeah, yeah. Was there was there any specific moment? Because I think we got we secured promotion against Cambridge. Yeah, we did. The, I, yeah. the last game was was Berry away, and it was just falling away and balloons everything. <laughs> yeah. Is there any any of those particular that, that stood out for you? Um, obviously, Cambridge. Cambridge was the 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 one that was always. Um, I think was that the one when we spanked them. Yeah, five nil, I think. Yeah, yeah, and that obviously I can remember that long hoof that I hoofed up, and uh, I think Lee Jones called 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that you know that 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 game I would say would obviously especially being at the at the race course. Yeah. What was your favourite yeah. goal you scored for us? You think? Colchester at home. I think right. we were down to I think we were down to nine men. I made a run and I absolutely spanked it from on top to the the cup end. Ran, ran, ran from our half. And absolutely just spank it up in the top. I think we drew one-one. We were down to I remember nine, that game. ten men. Yeah, I remember that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Really interested around the military stuff, really, because I think you spent nearly two or three years as a soldier. Yeah. yeah and yeah. how that came about, I think. I think off the top of my head, that was it. Your friend's dad was a brigadier, or it was something. Yeah, like yeah. He was the chief of defence staff. Yeah, yeah. One of my um, college college friends who I used to play football with. Yeah, it 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 it, it was strange. Like obviously, my coach now from college, he passed away mm, last year. Obviously, COVID, rest in peace. Um, and he was adamant that I, after college, I was going to go straight into the military. And I was like, hell no, I ain't doing that. <laughs> because for me, as a young kid, you're growing up, obviously, 17, 18, you're thinking, meh. The military, I, I, I want to be, like, out and about, you know, going to the clubs, you know, you know have a girlfriend or something like that do you know go out with your mates or something like that but what i would say is that it was one of the best decisions i've made in in, in respect of how it shaped you as a person because yes. yes. i imagine if, if you didn't do that i imagine the grounding for such a big move to the other side of the world to, yeah. to pursue it, a career would, would maybe be, be different it would have been totally different, you know. It's it's, but you know what? You can never know. But I think going into the military pay make it possible, made it possible for me to play at the highest level. Yeah. Did it change you as a person? Were you quite a shy, retiring boy, and then it give you the confidence? How, how did it? I'm, I'm 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 still shy. I'm still you know still <laughs> a, I'm I'm still a quiet, laughable, you know, funny guy that you know just sticks to myself really, yeah, and stuff. But it never actually made me different. It didn't make me different. It made me see things much better. It makes me see things much clear. It made me see things in a way that I have this mental strength that regardless of what you can come back from, mm. you know? And I think me having two ACL injury c- tells a lot, you know, yeah. obviously my first ACL was obviously when I was at Wrexham away on international that kept me out for obviously the 2003 season. And then I had one in 2015 and I was what, 36 at the time. And I came back and played two years after that. So that just shows that, Regardless of what, you have that mentality. You, you're down, you got to get up at some point, you know? Yeah. So you've, you're getting the move to come over for a trial. Can you still remember that first journey? How many flights, cars, trains? Oh. Can you remember all that? I'm curious because I, I don't want to understand. Okay. When I first came over on trial, it was in December of 1998. Wow, yeah. that's two years before uh, two two years before you actually signed, isn't it? Exactly, at exactly, least a year. Yeah, exactly. In December 
98 and came on th three weeks trial, stayed at the Trevor Arms Hotel. Um, and at the time, obviously, we, we, we weren't allowed to drive. So they used to, um, Brian Flynn and Kev Reeves and Joey, and they arrange obviously a vehicle for us to pick us up and drop us back and, you know, divisive things like that, you know. Joey absolutely hammer us, even though he didn't know us too much. But <laughs> you know, who who doesn't love who doesn't love Joey? Is it? Yeah, um, but it never took. You know, he, you, you know the funny thing about it, right? I tell you, it took me three years in Wrexham to get on a train. <laughs> really? Yeah. Three years. And you know what? You know how I made that. You know how I um, get on the train. Mike Berry, I made the PFA team of the year. Yeah. Mike, my agent, Mike um, was not. I think he was busy, so he did. He wanted to come to the PFA awards with me, but he was busy, so he sent his son. So I took a train from Wrexham to Chester, then yeah. Chester to Liverpool to meet yeah. up with Stevie. That's um, my agent's um, son. Yeah. And that was the first time I actually got on a train. Honestly, <laughs> it's weird. It's literally weird. Like, you know, I took a lot of bus. I must say, I used, to, I used to take the bus a lot from Wrexham to Chester, go and do a bit of shopping. Yeah. Yeah. How was the train experience? Just... What? <laughs> How was the train experience for you then? <laughs> it was good, to be fair. You know, um, I did enjoy it. I probably slept half the way to London, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the subject of transport, uh, that you were always, you, Hector, were always in Dennis Lawrence's car. Now, what was it? White Lexus, I think it was. Uh, yeah, did Dennis. You... <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was he a good driver? I could see a dent in the back. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, Dennis is a good driver. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 leading the troops, you know. So it's it's it was good. You couldn't get four in that car, could you? Because if Dennis must have that seat so far back. Oh, look, honestly, but hence the reason why the car was that big because Dennis is so bloody tall. He yeah. needed a big car because he would he wouldn't have been able to drive any normal car because if he drives any normal car, he might as well sit in the back seat and don't have a front seat. <laughs> you know. Tell tell oh, us about enough. your 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 first day at the club can you remember it i imagine it'd be quite vivid given you know it's um, new experience uh, i mean what was the conversation you had with flinny and so on i imagine joey made you feel relatively welcome oh joey him. yeah joey 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 welcome obviously kev reeves was there kev's is a nice lad brian obviously flinny is flinny you know always smiling always smoking that cigar that little ugh, the smell <laughs> of it i could still smell it you know, but I never knew Brian Flynn smoked a cigar. Did you know that, Tim? Yeah, he had them. He had them little. He, he had them little. Not the big, big cigar. He had them little thin ones, but it, it was oh, horrible. Goodness. The smell of it Cows. was horrible. It's stunting his growth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, to be fair, when I first got in, um, obviously you, you, you're shy. You, you got to feel feel the guys in their mouth and and, and stuff, and you know. You know, you got guys looking at you like, who is this guy? Is he coming to take my place? I'm not going to let him take my place. I'm going to whack him the first time he gets the ball, you know, things like that. But 
you know. But the lads and they welcome me really well. Big Bright Carey was obviously the first, obviously he's big big skipper, as I call him, skipper. Um Brian was really welcoming, you know, when I came and you know, he just showed, listen, just enjoy training. And everyone was that like that, you know. They didn't what what I would say is that they didn't baby us too much. You know, because you could get you could get a bit wrapping cotton wool a bit a lot that you 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 expect that every time. So yes, for the few few days they make sure that things are right and then you get with the program and then it's all about you. They'll keep an eye on you. Obviously they'll ask questions and make sure that things are right. But I just used to love to just go, get into training just because I, I want to train, regardless if it's cold or not. I just want to get into training, you know, and you got Hector who's got, he was like a bloody Eskimo when it comes to training. He'll have everything <laughs> on, you know, he wouldn't be able to move, you know, and this is me just in a jumper or something like that. I'm, I'm hard as nails, you know. And people have like say, eight jackets on. I remember Exactly. Your- honestly, Hector, honestly. And if he could have fit another one on top of that, he would. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just wanted to talk more about Hector, to be honest. He seemed such a such a pleasant lad. He was always smiling, and you could tell there was such massive talent there. Do you yeah. think he sort of ever ever lived lived up to his potential? No, nope. think we ever saw Hector, the best of him. No, no, no. Hector didn't. Hector, Hector. Honestly, I tell you, Hector. I shouldn't say. I think it wasn't a disappointment to me or Mike or Dennis. It was. I think he was a more of a disappointment to himself. Because mm. Hector, honestly, had potential in abundance that he could have gone the next level. He got he used to get distracted a lot from away from football, you know. Um, and I think that was his his biggest downfall, you know. He used to study more of other things than actually study about the football and let things come into place after. Because at the end of the day, you make a sacrifice for moving from Trinidad all the way over to Wales. The most you can do is, is make sure that, you know, put in the hard work and, and get it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you still speak to him? And, and uh, I, just one other question on that. Why was his nickname Del Boy? I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. I think, I think he, used to, he used to love to wear the blings, is he? The bling, oh, bling. that's why. Oh, yeah, he's a love. He's a loved all the all the all the gold rings and all the big gold chains and stuff. That's what he loved. Yeah. Did you still speak to him? Where is he now? I, Do you know? I haven't spoken to him in a few years, to be honest. But I know he's back in Trinidad. He's back. He's mm. he's gone back to Trinidad. Um, what what he's doing? Your guess will be good as mine. That's good because I I just want him to be an enigma. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to know what he's doing. He, he yeah, do yeah. Anything in my mind. We had we had uh, Andy Holt on yesterday, and we were discussing the whole Dale Boy thing. And I think Andy had to do something for one of the the, the papers before the LDV final. And yeah. he sent me some clippings of um, Hector Sam mocked up as Dale Boy. So I don't know if you can see that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a terrible. That's that a is, terrible matchup. That, that is shocking. That is shocking. Oh, no. But like, oh. yeah, I, I, I concur with Andy. Man, I, I, I don't know with Hector whether his brain was was working faster than his feet, or whether his feet. Were yeah, working. yeah, yeah. He get he get mixed up. Honestly, he get mixed up. It was just. <laughs> I'm, 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 
There was a, I can remember one guy. Um, so we were away at Barnsley, and the Barnsley reporter once famously wrote about Hector. Hector Sam had magic in his feet and sawdust <laughs> in his brain, which yeah, was and, a great line. But God, <laughs> honestly, that, and 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 that's Hector in a, in a nutshell. Hector has so much ability. That guy in college football, honestly, all you used to hear people talking about Hector Sam, Hector Sam, Hector Sam. Like you coming up against him because we we went to totally two different college, but you know you coming up against Hector. Wow, honestly, you you might as well he will he will tear you a new hole. That's how good he was. <laughs> honestly, can I just go up, move on to Big Den? So Big Big Den moved on uh, probably a couple of months after you guys. Maybe it was about half a season, maybe a little bit more. He, he had a tough start. Um, there was. You know, there was a couple of games where he was. You could tell he was finding his feet. He, he ne- he's never looks the most the most graceful of players. Did you ever worry worry for him, or did you know that he he was so tough in the head that he would he'd be able to get through it? I knew. I I, I knew Dennis could have could have made it. Obviously, yes, he did had a, a tough time. I I don't think anyone, um, you know, coming into a new environment will. I mean. There are maybe a few that we can mention, obviously, who could come in and, and, and fit right in and stuff. Obviously, Dennis took a little while to find his feet, which he did. But I knew in Dennis the ability that he had because I, I had the opportunity to play with Dennis back in Trinidad also because Dennis was in the military yeah. also. You were both so, defence force, weren't you? Yes. So I knew exactly what Dennis was capable of. And, you know, yeah, it, it did take him a while. But at the end of the day, when when he got going, people start paying notice that, oh yeah, this is the guy that, and and even I was like, this is the Dennis that I know, you know. So it, yeah, it played a part in it. Maybe the slow start p- played a part in him establishing himself, finding his way, and mm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, obviously a few a few people. A few fans maybe was thinking, why is he here? Or um, yeah. he should have an instant impact straight away. It never, it never mm. actually happens like that all the time. But when called upon, he was there. He was there to 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 make things, you know, work in his favour. Yeah, I mean, once he found his feet, the influence that fella had on the club. I think was plain to see. I mean, the determination of the fella, the, the fact that he could organise. I mean, there was there was talk a couple of a couple of years ago of him becoming Wrexham manager. Do you think <laughs> he would have made a good manager? I think you'd have made a great manager, absolutely great manager. Dennis, Dennis, you know how- Dennis loves the game, and for him to 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 reach where he is in his coaching career, and to go that distance actually had the opportunity to manage Trinidad and Tobago. That shows you the, the, the determination and the knowledge that he has in the football. And I think he would have made a great manager for Wrexham, you know, um, you, but you never, you, you can never say never. You never know. He, he, maybe sooner rather than later, he might get the job. Yeah. You know, Do you know how close he came? No. No? No. No. I do. Okay. I do still. I, I do. I, I do still speak to him, but I don't really speak to him when it comes to. Yeah. When it comes to that, obviously, if if Dennis wants to mention it to me, 
you know, it's, he mentioned it, but I don't ask him. I just, obviously, we just interact if things are, you know, just keep in contact how things are. You know, when he got the job at Coventry, I messaged him to say congrats, you know, because he's, he's, he's my mate. And Dennis, Dennis looked after me even in my last few years at Wrexham, you know, Dennis was like a big brother. He looked after me when I was in Trinidad for the, with the military team. And then he came all the way to Wrexham and did the same thing. So, yeah. you know, and I, I don't do it because he did all of that. Dennis is a genuine guy when it comes to looking after people and wanting the best for people. No, I, th- I think I can agree that Dennis Lawrence is a, is a great bloke. Yeah. Uh, I think we, we can all safely say that you, Hector, and Big Dan were, were a success at Rex, and there's, there's no doubt about that. I'm curious as to like the, the sort of unofficial fourth member, if you like, which which who arrived at Wrexham, I think after you left in Josh Johnson. Oh, I know who this. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm just curious because obviously you would have played with him in the national team. Why on earth did Josh Johnson bomb at Wrexham? It, it just didn't happen for him, did it? I, you know what? I, I, I think um, it's appearances are there or thereabouts, and I, I don't know. I think I think we were all so. So hopeful of, of what what could be because, think, of, because of you I guys have come before him. Me and Josh kind of um, grew up in the same kind of county, but my upbringing and his upbringing obviously was totally different when it comes to. I was a, a wild card. My mom and dad couldn't control me in terms of to stay home. I was always out and about, <laughs> you know, not not doing stuff that I should not be doing, but just doing stuff that. I should do when I do my schoolwork, right? You know, and things like that. But Josh came up. Josh, Josh couldn't find for me. Couldn't find a way out of that shell that he was in. Right. So it it was hard for him to, you know, he was. I think he was still seeing the the kid from Trinidad and not seeing the kid that came from Trinidad to Wrexham. So let's see that side of it. It was hard for him. You know, I'm actually sorry that it didn't materialize and didn't happen. You know, I spoke to him a few times when he was there, um, tried to, you know, give him that bit of encouragement, tell him what it's all about, the culture and things like that. Because some, some guys do need that little comfort, you know, if they can have someone back from their home country to speak to them and, you know, me playing for Wrexham for for four or five years, it's it's it was a good person to actually speak to because I know the fans, I know the club, I know the people surrounding the club. So, but it was it was a difficult one for him to be honest, and you know, one that you know, I'm I'm, I'm sorry it didn't happen in the way that it should have. I just wonder if Josh Johnson had the same sort of support network that Carlos Hector and Dennis had. It might have been a bit different. Because you three guys came over, you all had each other, you know, you all sort of lived in the town, you all mixed together. And I just wonder if Josh had had even other one person, maybe maybe it might have been a bit different. But, you know, sometimes then, things aren't just then, meant yeah, to be. Yeah, but, but then again, if, if, if you wanted that much, you, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, worry about if, if there was someone there. You've got to make it happen for yourself. You know, you gotta make you gotta make yourself comfortable at the end of the day, because there's only so much people around you can do for you, you know, and make sure that you have all the necessary stuff 
going forward. And then it's totally up to you to make that happen or to go to the next level, you know? So you can't actually, yeah, it, 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 you, you, you're right to say that in a way, but you have to make it happen. You, 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 gotta, you can't have everybody babysitting you, hoping for you and wishing for you and ask, telling you to do this and you don't want to help yourself, you know? But yeah. Josh is a good guy. He, he's a good guy, but it just, you know, it just didn't, for some, for some whatever reason, it just didn't, you know, work out. And, and that happens. Now, there was another guy who I saw you guys mix with quite a bit. He is absolutely a cult hero at Wrexham. His name is Imad Buenane. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember him? <laughs> tell us, tell us everything about Imad. Do not leave a single detail out. Yeah. Hey, th- that guy is absolutely quality. Imad is quality. Him and Hector was really close for some reason, but we we. But you know what? He used to teach us a lot about his culture. Yeah, and and right. stuff. Obviously, yeah, yeah. He was, he's Muslim and stuff, is he? So he used to teach us a lot about his culture, and he used to, you know, show us certain things. We used to, he used to give us tea to drink, you know, and we used to make we used to make fun of him. I mean, not not obviously not fun as people. Well, we 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 know how the the, the society is now with yeah. making fun of our ethnic um, background and stuff. But it, it, it was always a funny side to it. You know, we never used to abuse him. That's, that's first and foremost. We never did. But we just used to have such a laugh because Emma was, honestly, <laughs> he was just, how to say, if he gets angry, honestly, you will know. But he will get angry. And at the end of the anger, he would smile about it. He will literally just have a big smile on his face because we we will take the mick out of him. And in the end, but you know, obviously, I think a lot of people didn't actually get him. You know, in in terms of the way he played, the way how you know his his whole aura about him. You know, some of the lads didn't didn't get that side of him, but we did, and we just used to have a, such a good laugh. You know, I'm so glad you said that. Imad's honestly gave me some of the most quality moments watching Wrexham. You just he would even score an own goal while twatted in from twenty five yards. You just you just didn't know. It was remember when he, he, he took a foul throw and he did it about twice. Yeah and <laughs> honestly and you know what he he will argue with the linesman and the referee and you could tell he's throwing the ball right there. Like and he will argue with her and then he will just run off laughing. You know? And that's just him in a nutshell. But honestly, what a what a guy! What a guy! Can we go to the promotion season? And now we sort of like mentioned, you know, perceived sort of slow start or whatever. I mean, if you look at that promotion season when Dennis Smith started with that three-five-two, he actually had Wayne Phillips as right wing back, didn't he? And you only, yes, he... you only really got into the team once he got injured. But once you yeah. got into that team, there was no stopping you, was there? It wasn't obviously. I got I got my um my chance. Obviously Wayne. Obviously Wayne got injured. That was a horrible injury. Um, and obviously I got the opportunity. I took the opportunity. I I I took the opportunity to you know, it was my chance, and it never stopped. I never stopped. Then obviously I got the, you know, the old clay. I think it it took me a couple of games to actually get my rhythm going. Yeah. Um. 
and then after that, it, as you rightly said, it was no, it was no holding me back, and you know, I I just started really, really enjoying my football. Do you think it was the fact that Dennis had chosen this new new team? You, he'd obviously had two people to play the right side. One of them is injured. You knew that you would be there for for a run. You knew that you would finally get that run of games in a system that probably suited you. Uh, you know, someone who can who can attack and defend. Did that yeah. make a difference? That that made a lot of a difference because I think he had the personnel to play that system. And mm. you know, with the likes of myself and Paul Edwards coming in and all of that, it was it it played right into Dennis Smith's hands, you know, and um, you do wonder sometimes, obviously, because you, 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 you come up against teams that play different systems and you have to sometimes adjust to, to how they play. But I think the 3-5-2 system actually played us, I think we played it majority of the season. We With the pace that we had and the quality that we had in the midfield, we used to cause a lot of problems for teams. And, you know, he just actually stuck with it because he was getting a lot of success with that. We do a quick fire round where we're just going to hit you with five questions, whatever, yeah. whatever the first answer is. So, of your time in Wrexham, who is the most skillful? You can say yourself. <laughs> Hector Sam. Uh, yeah, good old Hector. Yeah. Right. Hector Sam might be the answer to this as well. Who was the worst dressed? Oh God! <laughs> oh jeez! I say Hector. <laughs> no, no, no! I change that. I say Dennis. Dennis. Dennis, Dennis used to wear them baggy jeans, them long baggy jeans. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. Who's the biggest moaner? Darren Ferguson. Oh uh, yeah, he's. <laughs> it's clean Anyone sweet. we ask this question to, of a certain <laughs> age, it's always Darren Ferguson. Right. Is, is an interesting one. Who do you think was the most underrated player? Player we didn't really get the plaudits. Stephen Thomas. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. Any, yeah. Any, any, any reason why for that one? Stephen used to remind me of a Paul Scholes. He loves a tackle, you know, yeah. loves a tackle. He's really good on the ball. But I don't think he used to get the recognition that he deserves. There you go. No. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And now, finally, on this, this round, who was the tightest with money? Oh my god. Ooh. I say Gibbo. Gibbo? Gibbs, Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have that. Robin we'll have Gibson. That. <laughs> new entry. I don't think we've had Gibbo, have we? Yeah, no, Robin Gibson. <laughs> Carlos, it sounds like you're having your tea, so we're going to leave you. But thanks very much for doing this, mate. No problem, lads. I appreciate appreciate you guys having me on. It's been oh no, we absolutely loved it. We absolutely loved it, and thanks for your time. All right, as I say, hit me up any time. Once I have the time, I would love to come back on. Oh, you're coming. Definitely, you're definitely coming back on. There's definitely a part two in Ace and Mara. Yeah, of course. Oh, definitely. I'm ready. We haven't even got to elderly vans yet. Well, don't worry. Keep that for part two. Okay, that was Carlos Edwards. Um, definitely more to come from Carlos. We'll we'll arrange a, a second date for him to discuss more on his Wrexham career, a true Wrexham great. Um, but it is that time of the week now where we discuss our shitey heroes, the worst Wrexham eleven of our lifetimes. Liam, what's the lineup so far? Okay, so so far we have got 
him in between the sticks, as Andy Holt called him last week, which was uh, Zavi Valero. Uh, <laughs> not happy with that. Uh, got to boot uh, them all, just for the sake of it. <laughs> We've got uh, Christian Guyan at right back. And I'm particularly pleased with the centre-back pairing because I think, don't think you could have had anyone else. It was Richard Hope and Darren Kempson. We've got Tyler Garrett at left-back. And then last week we thought, well, he might have got a nice purple Hummer, but as a midfielder, Lamin Sacco was pretty dreadful by all accounts. Uh, just before we go in, can we make uh, the honorary Shady Heroes referee Paul Marsden, please? <laughs> I think I think we can do that, can't we? With Darren Drysdale's backup referee. Um, Gurn and Singh can be on the other line. Gurn Singh, definitely. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a chrome Hummer for the avoidance of doubt, but he might be colourblind or I might be colourblind, but it was definitely chrome, not purple, but chrome, <laughs> yeah. Right, who's going first this week, Tim? Yeah, go on. Sweet. All right, then, you've got 30 seconds or a minute, whatever you want, to nominate your next midfielder. So we'll go for a 4-3-3. So you can have a centre player, defensive midfielder, wide player, whatever we want. Uh, three, two, one, go. Well, Shite Heroes is all about players who promised so much but delivered so little. Uh, and this person delivered it not only once but twice delivered very little, and that is Elliot Durrell. Signed from Hensford Town um, in 2014, he came with a decent pedigree, 58 goals in 95 appearances for the Pittman. Not bad at all. However, the injury-prone schema scored just four in 30 appearances and he was eventually released by Gary Mills, one of the few slightly good calls you'd argue he probably made. Anyway, fruition with both Macclesfield and Olsengum, Durrell rejoined Wrexham for the 2020-2021 season. However, a combination of poor consistently and a seemingly worse attitude saw him leave by mutual consent in April. Or so the club said. Apparently he was bombed out. Um, so there we are. Clearly talented, uh, but he flattered to deceive. Maybe you should tweet something about that rather than being a pain in the ass to, uh, to his fellow colleagues in the dressing room. So there you go. Elliot Durrell, great player, but... Sadly, not good enough. Not for us. Uh, thank you very much, Tim. Liam, you happy to go next? Yeah, why not? Go on then. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so I've been I'm in an hour about this selection right up until the uh, 11th hour. But the reason I've gone for Callum Powell is purely, I suppose, what Paul Rutherford said to us in an earlier podcast about his attitude when he was at Wrexham. Signed for us from Rugby Town by Gary Mills part of that squad we'd all rather forget really and just just a player who'd who thought he'd made it basically by coming to Wrexham you know he, he was very dismissive of a team like Southport who might not be the most glamorous name in the league but they were there on merit and you know for all that bravado it didn't really match up with his skills on the pitch um, I think he was jettisoned pretty soon after uh, Keats came in ended up going to Tamworth so yeah Callum Powell without a doubt Good case made. I'm sure Paul Rutherford would agree. I'm usually last, so I'll jump in uh, next this time. Why not? Um, I count myself in. Three, two, one, go. Uh, I'm going to nominate Anthony Barry, uh, who was also nominated by listener Jonah Devitt, actually. I think he deserves to be there just for that 2010 debacle when he signed for us and then asked to have his contract cancelled within a week to jump ship to Fleetwood. Um, when he re-signed, he described the episode as messy, but that these things happen in football. Uh, well, when he came back in 2016, um, to quote uh, Jonah, actually, who emailed in, uh, we had the home bargains version of Anthony Barry. He played 31 games in a pretty rubbish season. 
under Gary Mills and then Dean Keats. A shadow of the player that Fleetwood and Forest Green used to finish first and fourth, and then he was released at the end of the season. Um, and I just want to add as well, he was as crap for us at tactical analysis as well, because these were his words when he returned at the beginning of that season. I'm delighted to come back, especially under Gary Mills, with the type of football we're going to be playing next year, hopefully the type of football and results which will see us up at the top of the table. So uh, I nominate Anthony Barry. Okay, Andy, you're next to finish off the quartet. Three, two, one, go. He is 100% more famous for a chance rather than any of his play. Heidi Tabubi was a French Algerian who summed up all that was wrong about early Saunders Wrexham. Look at what we're trying to do now. We're picking players on attributes. We're picking them on stats. It's things we need to go up. Tabubi came to us when we were doing the exact opposite. It was an expensive scattergun approach where people, well, usually French people, and usually Willie Mackay's stable, showed up at Collier's. Sometimes they even bought boots. Either way, they were always signed. Tabubi wasn't a bad footballer, but he was criminally unsuited to playing fifth-tier English game. At a pre-season game in Prestati, my non-Rexenporting mate turned to me and said he's decent. Over the course of 10 days, Tabubi showed how wrong Marcus Mitchell is about football. He was lightweight. He didn't have the heart and literally could not do it on a Tuesday night in Eastbourne. He looked permanently freezing and it was August. But that chant. We love to boogie to, to chew the T-Rex. We love to boogie. Only we didn't love him any Saturday night. Oh, good God. <laughs> Very that, sounded good. Like, that sounded like the foreword to the heady Tabubi autobiography. That was... That's murdered my brain cells. We love Tabubi. I mean, it is a fantastic chant. We ruined a good song, didn't we? And we don't... Like Andy says, I can't think of that many truly great player chants uh, in the non-league era. So... <laughs> Any era. That's going to be a factor. <laughs> All right, he was going to budge first. Who's, who's actually the who's actually the worst? I've I've, I've I've already deduced mine. So basically, I'm going to basically go with this. Tabubi scored a pearler in that five 0 route against Stevenage. Elliot Durrell scored a couple of pearlers, and you know, if he maybe had not had those injuries, he might he might have sort of come real good for us. Yeah, Anthony Barry. Um, yeah, I think he was. He wasn't. That bad, and you mentioned that he's like you, know, you mentioned the home bargains comparison. I always think you can go into home bargains and pick up something quite useful. So I'm not having that one. Um, that which leaves Callum Powell. The only thing I remember good about him was his beard. So Powell gets my vote. I don't trust people with two first names. So for me, it's Anthony Barry. <laughs> Also, uh, Leo Smith said that Callum Powell was one of the most skillful players that uh, he played with. Also, Callum Powell has started the season on fire at Kettering. He's been out of fire. Always, always said he's a great player. I'm, no. I'm not budging on Callum Powell personally. Just bad attitudes. That's what gets me. Bad attitudes. I mean, he has been singing the praises of Wrexham fans recently on Twitter, but, you know, that's a, a little... Bandwagon. Bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> Bandwagon. How many games did Tabubi play for us? Right about 10, I think. I he mean, doesn't say it wasn't much, was it? No, uh, I mean he he started he started okay, but it was good pitches in August, and as soon as he went away from home and f- didn't like it up him, so yeah, he faded into the background. Been so many of them, he's just a, another case in point. But he's a proper cult player because of that chance. So yeah, he's ruined that song for me, and, and for that reason, it should be him. And he had really narrow eyes. You can't trust anybody whose, whose eyes are that close together. So yeah, yeah, I could. You know, I know that the way that 
Durrell, was it Durrell, Durrell, the way he left us um, last season, obviously, uh, wasn't great. Uh, but he did have some good moments for us, didn't he? And he, there, was a, there was a footballer in there because he's been promoted a couple of times, hasn't he? I'm sure he got yeah. promoted a couple of times. Yeah, he was the main reason Mac went up. I, I yeah. think he was decent. I just don't think it worked out worked out for him here. Yeah. Twice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're edging towards Tabubi, are we? I mean, I, Tabu, between Tabubi and Powell, probably, if we're hand on heart talking about the worst footballers. The only reason I mean, Tabubi showed a bit of what he could do. Callum Powell struggled to beat Grassford Athletic in pre season. Um, mm. I saw Callum Powell have a good game away at Maidstone. <laughs> There's no way Callum Powell and good game were in the same sentence. I'm not having it. Game, game of the mighty heroes. All right. Um, right. We'll have, to, we'll have to take it. We'll have to vote then. So, uh, Callum Powell, hands up. That's two raised. Oh, is it a split decision? Yeah, Tabubi, hands up. That's a split. Okay. Um, me and Andy go for Tabubi, Liam and Tim for Powell. Um, how are we going to decide this? What are the stats? Do, do either of them score? I know Tabubi scored at least one. Did Callum uh, Powell score a goal? Yeah, no, he scored two at Maidstone, I'm pretty sure. Callum Powell wrecks him. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to check now. Let's make it up. Check. We could have a bare knuckle fist fight to the death between <laughs> Heavy and Callum Powell. I, I choose my champion. My champion is Reese. <laughs> maybe, maybe Liam would then finally do his uh, forfeit. For what? Uh, Sorry, no, oh, you're breaking up. No, <laughs> I can't. Did find he out. score a goal? So he scored two at Maidstone. How many did Tabubi score? This is, I can only I can, I can only record one. Uh, right. It looks like it looks like Callum Powell got two. Okay, that's it then. Tabubi wins. Sorry, we have to just you know go with the go with the, the, the stats. Tabubi's was a glorious goal. Glorious. I'm going. I'm going full Les Reed here, and Tabubi scored fewer goals than Callum Powell. So on a stats basis, he's out of the side. And in fairness, he did waste a good song. So that's about. I'm prepared to concede on that. There we go. I want to say out of the side. I was mean in the side. Congratulations, you are in uh, Shite Heroes. Okay, predictions time. Andy scores on the doors. Right, we're halfway through because we did Grimsby. Uh, we did Grimsby last week, uh, and obviously we haven't got to it yet. So um, when it comes to Woking, unfortunately, oh, it's bad news. It's bad news. Liam Randall has got it spot on again with a, a weaselly one nil victory for for the Dragons. Everyone went for a win, but uh, everyone went three, two or three nil. So yeah, Liam's got five points there, and he's actually uh, he's actually in the lead now. Get in Take there. Him. We've um, just because we, we've already done Grimsby, we've just got daggers on Saturday to do. Okay. So, Tim, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go for a. Oh man, I mean, Dagenham doing well. Dark horses. Ah, uh, Jesus! I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Okay. I will go next, and I'm also going to go for a draw, but I'm going to have the famous Rex and this season result of two each. Reese, next up. I was going to go nil-nil, but you know we, we do seem to always have a goal in us when you got Mullin up front, when you got... So, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be that guy, and I'm going to go for a 2-1 loss. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he is that guy. That guy from last season's back. Anyway, lastly, Liam. 
I was actually going to go for the same score as Reese, but um, just to be even more miserable, I'll go for a, a two 0 defeat. I just think Dagenham and Redbridge they they've got their their shit together. We haven't quite at this stage, and I can see them doing a number on us. Okay, I've had a thought though. Should Liam be accumulating any points while he's yet to fulfil his contractual obligation? Should be like Dover minus oh, this, this rule book again. Where is this rule book? Come on, produce well, it. You you have got to, but uh, if you do not change your profile picture to you in a Chester shirt by by Tuesday night's game against Grimsby, then you will not get any points from Grimsby's. Where, game. where am I going to get a Chester shirt? Such a short turnaround. Okay, fine. You got till Saturday. Then. You got till, Saturday's fair. Saturday's fair. You got till Saturday to to go into Chester and get yourself a shirt, Blech. steal one, borrow it whatever you need to do and it's got to be a profile picture for a, at least a week okay a Tesco right. carrier bag with Chester FC written on it in, in, <laughs> in little biro that'll do <laughs> okay that's enough for this week's podcast we are uh, tremendously excited about some of the guests that we've got lined up uh, for the next couple of weeks a couple of belters in store just need to uh, arrange uh, a time and a place uh, for it to take place. But when it does, we'll be bringing that to you. Remember, you can email us in at fearlessindevotion at gmail.com or please do uh, message the Twitter account too. Um, anyway, thanks again for listening and goodbye. Bye. Cheers, See you.